Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Kathy Kay, and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Thursday, October 27th, 2016. Today we are reading on the book, book in the big book, and we are on page 158, the first full paragraph, which begins next day, found prospect more receptive. Today's readers are Esther F. on the 12 Steps, Jane G. on the 12 Traditions, and reading the text are Lisa H., Maureen M., and Yolanda S. The reference number for yesterday, October 26th, Wednesday, is 9208, and our newcomer greeter today is Deanna B. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who through shared experience, strength, and hope are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry this message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose... OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Esther F. to read the 12 steps of OA. Good morning. This is Esther F., a recovered compulsive overeater from Cleveland, Ohio. The 12 steps. Number one, we admitted we were powerless over food that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continue to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. And twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we try to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you for letting me do service, and I pass. 
Thank you, Esther F. And Jane G., would you please read the 12 traditions? Yes, good morning, Kathy. Thank you. This is Jane G., a compulsive overeater from Texas. The 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contribution. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues. Hence, the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. And 12, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you for letting me serve, and I'll pass. Thank you, Jane G. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share in what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinent requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star 1 to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass, and then press star 1 to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speaker should be muted. Today we resume our study of the big book on page 158, the first full paragraph, and I will ask Lisa H. to get us started. Good morning, Kathy. Good morning, all. This is Lisa H., grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater from Tennessee. Next day, found the prospect more receptive. He had been thinking it over. Maybe you're right, he said. God ought to be able to do anything. Then he added, he sure didn't do much for me when I was trying to fight this booze racket alone. On the third day, the lawyer gave his life to the care and direction of his creator. 
and said he was perfectly willing to do anything necessary. His wife came, scarcely daring to be hopeful, though she thought she had saw something different about her husband already. He had begun to have a spiritual experience. That afternoon, he put on his clothes and walked from the hospital a free man. He entered a political campaign making speeches, frequenting men's gathering places of all sorts, often staying up all night. He lost the race, but only by only a narrow by only a narrow margin. But he had found God, and in finding God, he had found himself. Um, again, this is Lisa, recovered compulsive overeater. Um, the the one of the words that stands out for me actually that I have circled um, in this paragraph is the word willing. Um, and and by definition, willing is ready, eager prepared to do something. Um, we talk a lot about willingness, willingness to do, to do anything necessary to get and stay sober or absent in our case, and more importantly for me, um, sane. Uh, when I finally put down my binge foods, it was as, it was as if I had woken up. Um, I began to see my life and the world in, in a new way. Um, my husband used and I used to laugh about people walking around in in a carbohydrate stupor and and that was me. Um, I was walking around in this cloud of a cloud of sugar um, but when I was able to put those food foods down i I had at that moment begun to have a spiritual experience um at that point, I was so willing I was so eager i thought i I was willing to do anything. Um, to keep this new way of seeing, I didn't know what it was, um, and and so what I what I did was I immersed myself in this program. I started listening to you all. I started listening to recorded meetings and special editions, and because I wanted what you all had, um, and then I started working the steps, and and for me that was the way to clear the path to my Creator, um, and in so doing. Um, I found out, I, I found out all about my resentful, um, nature, my selfishness, my, um, fear and dishonesty. Um, but without my, without my creator, who I call God, um, helping me, um, every day, I could never get to the place where I am today. Um, and, and so, so today, um, since having found this, this, um, God of my understanding, um, I understand this God to be ever present. I understand um, that He, She, my Creator, will guide me every day if I do the work. If I um, if I continue to seek God, He will always uh, be found. Uh, thank you. That's all. I pass. Kathy, we can't hear you. So I'm walking away here. Okay, who would like there on the second paragraph that Lisa read? This is Bella. Can I share? Kathy from Boston. Reva P. Larry. Do you have Nancy? Who was the last? 
I'm sorry, the last Nancy H. Nancy H. Okay, let me tell you who I have. I have Bella G, Katie G, Melissa C, Reva P, Larry K, and Nancy H. Okay. And Kim G. Sally A. Kim G and Sally A. Okay, we'll stop there. Okay, Bella G, please go ahead. Thank you. Good morning. My name is Bella G. <clears throat> and I am a thankful recovered compulsive overeater. Thank you, Katie, for doing this service, and thank you very much, everybody on the line. But he had found God, and in finding God, had found himself. Yes, thank you, God. I found God. You know, I grew up with God, but I never knew who is God. For me, God was a punishing creator, a, you know, somebody that wants to make me always bad. And wrong. And thank you, God, when I found God, I found a loving higher power, an accepting higher power that I don't have to be in competition with him. And by, fi- by finding God, I did find myself. What do, what do I mean by saying I find myself? You know, I learned to accept myself that I am human. And I am powerless. I am not perfect. I will never, ever be perfect. And yes, I have my character defect that my loving God, my loving higher power, give, give me opportunities 24-7 to learn new things, to learn from everybody new things, and to change my thinking, my behavior, and my thoughts. And only because I am accepted. I am accepted the way I am. And God is never a punishing God. God for me is a loving, accepting power. And by being accepted, I learn to accept myself. Thank you for letting me share. And I pass. Thank you, Bella G. Um, Katie G, please go ahead. Good morning, Kathy. Can you hear me? I can. Thank you. Awesome. Let me start my timer. Good morning, everyone. It's Katie G, recovered compulsive reader, anorexic and bulimic in Boston. And um, in finding God, I had found myself. So my sponsor a long time ago told me that um, intimacy really means into E-I-C. So I never saw into myself. I saw into boxes and into bags. I saw into control. I saw into exercise. I saw into laxatives. I saw into Ipecac. I saw into the toilet bowl. That's what I saw into, and I saw into fear, you know, and anger and rage and selfishness. And through the process that I continue to go to, through on an annual basis, 1 through 9, and 10, 11, and 12 on a daily basis, I continue to uncover, discover, and discard who I really am. And yes, on the one hand, you guys, I am a fear-based woman. And, you know, sometimes I just wake up and my spiritual hairdo tells me that you hate me and my job's out to get me and everybody's in cahoots and I 
panic and then I judge and I condemn and I tear you down and then poor hubs to be comes home and he's not telling me about the insurance fast enough and so, and I I use 10 man I use 10 and then other days you know what I'm discovering like I am a daughter of God and I'm actually a beautiful woman inside and out and I am worthy of recovery and I am not my body. I have a body and I don't hate myself today. And, um, and there is a God that loves me and I am, um, you know, naturally my disease tells me I am the, the absolute worst person in the world and I am the best. You know, it's this constant contraindication. But the more I do the step work, the more I'm like onto myself. And so what does that mean today? There are days that I have food thoughts or I have bulimic thoughts, but I'm not responsible for my first thought. I am responsible for my second thought, right? So I have the thought. And because by finding God, I have found myself, I can hear the thoughts. And I can say, hey, thoughts, you're not my friend. You're, if I focus on you eating and purging and exercise bulimia and laxatives, that's going to be a step up, right? And so I'm not going to listen to you. And I'm going to do a step 10. And I'm going to figure out what's going on. And then I'm going to help others. So it is absolutely this amazing process. And for me, it continues to be vital with a couple things, entire abstinence, the disciplined way of doing my tools every day, and of course, doing the steps each and every day and walking shoulder to shoulder with all of you. And it is such a privilege. I'm going to do it one more day. God bless. Oops. Thank you, Katie G. I can't turn my alarm off. Hold it a second. Okay. Here we go. Oh. Okay. Um, Melissa C., please go ahead. Hi. Good morning, Cassie. Good morning, everyone. It's Melissa C., recovered compulsive overeater in New York. And, um, you know, when I think about this guy going out there, you know, on this political campaign, um, sober, you know, recovered, um, found God, um, he's putting everything I would imagine into getting what he wants, you know, campaigning, going into places. Um, and, and, and he didn't, he, he lost by a margin, you know, by a small margin. And yet he was okay because um, he's completely willing to do whatever it takes to um, stay recovered. And he has found God and in finding God, he found himself. And so I think about myself, and my little plan, you know, which seems so important, me getting what I want. Um, and then when I don't, I'm okay today. You know, and that's so different from how I used to live. You know, I used to be, I had to get what I wanted or I wasn't okay. You know, and I certainly um, was not okay with God when God didn't deliver the goods, you know. And so... You know, the last few weeks at my, my job has been crazy, and I've shared it here, that we're being audited by the state, and um, and they've been, for whatever reason, in and out of my room, in and out of my classroom, in and out of my classroom, and um, and I'm a praiseaholic. I want to hear how great I am, because I think I'm really great, and guess what? I didn't hear it, you know? I didn't hear it, and I'm okay, you know? It's like, 
somehow um, this program has helped me in every single area of my life. And so just like this guy here, you know, I didn't get exactly what I wanted. I didn't come away with this huge praise. That came away with a lot of recommendations. And um, I'm okay. I have a relationship with God. And in finding God, I, I found myself. I'm, you know, I'm other-centered today. It's not about people saying, great job, Alyssa. You know, maybe it's about listening. Maybe it's about having some humility, doing what I'm directed to do. And um, thank you. With that, I'll pass. Thank you, Melissa C. Um, let's see. Reva P., please go ahead. Good morning. It's Reva P., grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater in Toronto. Uh, two things struck me in the reading. One was on willingness and the other is on finding a higher power. And that concept of willingness um, uh, reminds me where it says on page 12 when Ebby came to visit Bill and Bill realized, the original Bill, realized the same thing, that it was only a matter of being willing to believe in a power greater than myself. Nothing more was required to make my beginning. I saw that growth could start from that point. Upon a foundation of complete willingness, I could build what I saw in my friend. Would I have it? Of course I would. So at the beginning, you know, steps one and two, we just need to acknowledge, I just need to acknowledge that I don't have the power to fix this food problem myself or fix anything in my life and I need a power that's greater than myself and you know step two doesn't have to take uh, years it's just you know can I do it myself no is there a power that's not me that could possibly help me yes and then move on and do the rest of the steps um, and this business that he had uh, found God you know I still am not a hundred percent comfortable with the G word but if I put higher power in there, you know, how did he find a higher power? How did he end up walking out a free man? What does it mean to be free? He did the work. It goes beyond step one, two, three. I need to remove the blocks. I didn't know I was blocked. I just knew I had a food problem and I wanted it fixed and I wanted to get out of here as quick as possible and get on with my life. But when I started doing the work, I realized I was full, full, seething with anger and resentment. Um, and I still have to clean that up every single day. Um, and if I'm so busy being angry, resentful, and terrified and scared, I can't access a higher power. Um, I used to think if I just sat in a room for an hour and prayed and meditated, I would know God. Oh, I'm so spiritual. But that doesn't work. I need to do the steps in the order um, because I'm blocked. And then once I'm unblocked, I can access that power which can do for me what I could never do with the food, what I could never do with work, with my family, um, to become the person that God or a higher power envisions me to be. Uh, with that, I pass. Thank you, Reva P. Larry Kay, please go ahead. Uh, thanks, Kathy. Thank you for your service. Larry Kay, Recovered Compulsible Reader from Chicago. Um, you know, I, I um, in reading this, uh, <clears throat> I don't know why it occurred to me. I was always a math avoider. I don't know if anyone else is like me. Um, and, um, you know, uh, 
I just, this program, so coming into this program, I felt like um, this was some sort of, you know, algebraic equation that I just couldn't figure out. And it ties into the paragraph for me because, you know, it almost sounds so simple. You know, on the third day, the lawyer gave his life to the care and direction of his creator. Sounds simple enough. And he lived happily ever after, right? <laughs> Perfectly willing to do anything necessary. Well, maybe I missed that part too. I was willing to do a lot of things. I just wasn't willing to follow precise instructions. You know why I wasn't willing to do it? I think back in hindsight, I didn't know it in the moment, was because for, you know, it was painful. It was emotionally painful for me to follow directions precisely. I always cut corners. I always look for an easier way. You know, so when I read this, sometimes it sounds like with great simplicity, you know, this guy just gave his life and, uh, and everything was fine. You know, but, but obviously he was willing to do some things to change. And he didn't effectuate his own change, I don't believe. For after all, if we effectuate our own change, we don't need God. In effect, aren't, aren't we God in that sense? If we are the beginning and the end, we are just do it, work harder. You make it happen. We don't make anything happen. See, I know that from experience. I know that from experience. I did not make this happen. I worked steps eventually, eventually, not right away. And I did them in sequence. And I expected to have a linear progression, you know, to feel better as I'm doing the steps one and feel a bit better in two. It's not how it happened for me. It was not a linear progression towards a spiritual awakening for me. It was more, I think they call it of the educational variety. But you know, when I worked through them and, uh, and I followed the instructions precisely, Eventually, there was a change, and, and those promises did come true. And the obsession, most importantly for me, perhaps, the obsession was lifted. It was eradicated, and it has never returned. And I'm not waiting for the shoe to drop. You know, it's just, uh, it's, it's a beautiful thing. And this guy, uh, this guy, Bill Dotson, from what, reading the history, he, he, he lived another 19 years, never drank again. You know, and... Um, so he didn't die of this disease. I hope not to die of this disease. I'm going to die, but not of this disease. Thank God for Alcoholics Anonymous. With that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thank you, Larry Kay. And Nancy H., please go ahead. Good morning. This is Nancy H. from Massachusetts, a grateful, recovered, compulsive overreader. Um, when I read this, the first thing that struck me was um, he stepped away from the hospital a free man. And when I stepped away from a treatment center two times, I felt like a free woman. And that's because I had put down the food, and I was on a high from putting down the food. And I thought, sure, that was the answer. But what I didn't have is a freedom from the mental obsession, because I hadn't done these steps exactly as they were outlined in the big book. I had done a first step um, at the treatment center. I had done a partially a fourth step. I didn't come away with the ingraining of the 12 steps and having to live in 10, 11, and 12. So for me, it was, I thought I had had a spiritual awakening because I was close to God, I thought, and I, you know, I, I prayed every day, and I thanked him so much for getting me out of the food. All of that was really good at the time, but it only lasted like two or three months each time. And then I'd pick up the food, 
and I couldn't figure out how I had failed because I figured it was my failure. And what I hadn't done is to go through the steps and learn to know myself and to get acquainted with myself and with my higher power above all. And I wasn't acquainted with my higher power because I didn't take the time each day to live in the 10th, 11th, and 12th. And, of course, I hadn't done uh, thorough fourth step, fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth, and ninth. I had never gone out to make all of the amends that I did this time, and I had never uh, come to grow as they promised us in the big book. So for me, my new hope, I thought, was when I stepped away from the treatment center, once in 88 and once in 2000. But my real hope was this recent um, going through the steps with a big book sponsor and doing all the amends and now living in the 10th, 11th, and 12th. And now I have a spiritual experience. Now I feel as though I'm close to my creator and I can live on a day-to-day basis with my fellow uh, compulsive overeaters and especially with my vision people. So I'm totally grateful to Alcoholics Anonymous. I'm totally grateful to Vision. And I'm grateful to um, OA because I had to come to that point before I was willing to do what I've done now. So for today, I'm going to live happy, joyous, and free, and I really know what it's all about. And I'm not cocky because I know it's all due to my higher power. So thank you for letting me share. Thank you, Nancy H. Kim G., please go ahead. Thanks, Kathy. Good morning, all. My name is Kim G. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from South Jersey. He walks from the hospital a free man. Now, you notice it doesn't say a sober man because he's been in the hospital eight times. He's left a sober man eight times and drank again. You know, I think of my 22 years in Overeaters Anonymous, and, you know, for often I would hear you were not a diet and calories club, yet the whole entire meeting was diet tips and focused on the food. I've also been in many meetings where they disregard abstinence as not a big deal and they focus on group support trying to feel better while we're in the disease. So what does it mean to be a free man? You know, we have this twofold illness. So we have an allergy of the body and we're told in the doctor's opinion, what is the solution to that entire abstinence? And we're also taught about the, from the freedom from the mental twist in the doctor's opinion, what is the solution to that? an entire psychic change. And I have to tell you, for many years, I thought the best that I could do in Overeaters Anonymous was to beat the food one more day, going to bed exhausted, having fought the food all day. I mean, I had six years of back-to-back abstinence in the 90s. You know, I felt every minute of it. I had to be abstinent in the morning and abstinent in the afternoon and abstinent in the evening. That's a long 24 hours. And I felt every minute of it. If you asked me how long I was abstinent, I could tell you down to the minute since I had a bagel. Let me tell you today, I'm almost, I'm almost recovered six years. I am free of the allergy, absolutely. I am entirely abstinent for almost six years. But the true goal of the 12 steps is once you're abstinent, to be free of the mental twist. And let me assure you that I am abstinent happily. I didn't know that was possible. You know, that I am not cocky or afraid. That I am in a place of neutrality, safe and protected. I have not sworn off. I have ceased fighting anything or anyone. That's the miracle of the 12 steps. So abstinence is not the goal in any 12-step program. Abstinence is the ticket in the door because the question is, how free do you want to be? 
And let me tell you, the freedom I experience on a daily basis is beyond my wildest dreams. And with that, I pass. Kath, Sally, can I go ahead? <laughs> Hi, Sally. I was muted. I'm sorry. Go ahead, please. Oh, that's Thank okay. You too. Sally. Go ahead. Okay. It's Sally A., a compulsive overeater who is becoming recovered in New York. I'm putting on my timer here. I want to speak to the last few sentences of this beautiful little snapshot of a man's walk with God man's experience with his God. He entered a political campaign making speeches. He worked hard. He was making speeches. He was frequenting men's gatherings, places of all sorts, often staying up all night. Did he have expectations of his God like I do? He lost the race by only a narrow margin. I would have been furious with God. That's who I am. I have expectations all the time of what I think God's going to do for me. Oh, sugar's the third ingredient. God's not going to let that be a problem. Oh, I'm going to eat a whole bag of popcorn. God's not going to let that be a problem. God loves me. God isn't, God isn't going to punish me. God's not going to let that hurt me. I mean, I have four years of abstinence. God's not going to let me go back to day one. How will I ever have 28 years like some people? How will I ever have 18 years like some people? How will I ever be anything? Will I always be a loser? Like, look at this guy. He lost. He's a loser. He lost the race by only a narrow margin. I would have been furious with God. I would have been disappointed. I would have been weeping and wailing and what the heck, God? because of all of my expectations, but he had found God. He lost the race, but he found God. Holy mackerel, I I just find this to be a real, like, it's implausible. It doesn't make sense to my brain. But you know, something happened to me about two weeks ago when a dear friend said, Sally, you're gaining weight. That means you're not abstinent. No, I don't eat sugar and I don't eat flour. So what if I have peanut butter without sugar once in a blue moon or I have a whole bag of popcorn once in a blue moon? So what? So what? You're gaining weight. You're not abstinent, Sally. Fine. I'll go back to day one. If I don't go back to day one, I'm going to binge my brains out then. And I did. And I expectations of God. Then will I get right back on, God? Can I get right back on? No, Sally, because you shot yourself in the foot. Now you put some, you put some poison in your body. You're not going to get right back on. But God is good. My God is good. And a dear friend said to me, Sally, you're powerless, but you're not helpless. And I remembered that the tools are the handrails to the steps. I can't get on the steps effectively without picking up the tools and holding on to the handrails of the tools. And I put myself into I put myself into a smaller herd. And I'm on day five. And it's clean and it's weighed and measured. And I'm so happy you guys are still here. And you're not throwing me away. Thanks for letting me share with that iPad. Thank you, Sally A. Okay, is are there any others who would like to share on the second two paragraphs, Red? Julie R. Janice. Janice M. Lynn S. I heard Julie R. Nessa R. Janice M. Who else? Lynn S. Lynn S. Nancy R. 
Nancy R. And Yolanda I heard Anne's voice. Who is that? Yolanda Wayne. S. Oh, Wayne G. And Yolanda X. Maureen M. And Maureen M. Okay, Wayne C. And Maureen M. Okay, let's see if we can get through all of these. I'm going to read the list. Julie R., Nessa R., Janice M., Lynn S., Nancy R., Yolanda F., Wayne C., and Maureen M. Please go ahead, Julie. Hi, this is Julie R., Recovered Compulsive Overeater. There's a couple of things I wanted to talk about. You know, when they said that his wife came scarcely daring to be hopeful, though she thought she saw something different. You know, when I got out of my relapse a few years ago, I immediately felt different. Did I lose the, you know, the, the 70 pounds I had gained in four months? Of course not. But I felt my creator already in me and lifting me up. And it was, the, I literally cleaned the wrappers and the chocolate stains and everything, changed my sheet, my threw away the garbage, and I was free. Now, did I go to sleep and wake up and not do any work? Of course not, right? I had to work these steps because if I don't, I'll die. And I remain free. I am totally neutral. I mean, I I don't have the, I've not had the white knuckles since that 7.30 p.m. that night of October 21st, 2014. I haven't wanted it. The mental twist is gone. It, I, I am free. I'm neutral. Just like the big book promises us that if you do this work, you're going to be free. And But I do know that I need to do my daily work. I sponsor every day, four or five people. I read. I write. I weigh and measure my food. I have a strong network of recovered people that I talk to daily. And I call newcomers. Is it a lot of work? No. What was a lot of work was being in the food 24-7, either eating it, thinking about it, cleaning it up, stealing it from people's desks, and hating myself. That's a lot of work. Today, my life is joyful. I mean, it's, it's, I have no complaints. So if there's any newcomers out there and you're listening to this, you too can be a free woman or a free man. This disease cannot be combated by anything else but a, a creator, a higher power, whatever you want to call it. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Julie R. Nessa R., please go ahead. Thank you. Good morning, Vision for You. It's Nessa R., recovered in Toronto. So I, um, what spoke to me were the concepts of finding God and freedom because I thought I had God and I thought I was free. Um, I had, I've always believed in God. I've always prayed to God and I always wanted to be free to eat whatever I want, whenever I want, how much I want. But the truth is that I neither had a relationship with God, nor was I free because, you know, my life was a mess. I was seven, over 70 pounds overweight. Um, my relationships were really poor. I was in poor physical, um, shape. Um, you know, nothing was really working. And it was because God was not doing what I wanted. My relationship with him, quote-unquote relationship, was um, very childish. It really meant I was telling God, do this for me. Um, I want that. 
And, of course, you know, when that wasn't happening, it was because God wasn't listening. And I was praying. I was praying very, very hard. But I was giving God his marching orders. And the freedom, I wasn't free. I was a slave to the food. You know, I, I couldn't go one minute without being dominated by the food, either because I was in the food or either because I was um, on a diet. But either way, I was always obsessed by the food. And, and the two of them are interrelated because I cannot have a relationship with God when I am blocked. And I'm blocked by two things. I'm blocked by the food, number one. And the second one is I'm blocked by myself, by my selfishness, my fears, my resentments, my anger, my uh, self-will, my expectations, and all that. And, you know, this is why this program is so brilliant, because, you know, first we need to deal with the food, the substance. We have to put, I have to put it down, because I have two higher powers. One is the food, and the other one is God. But I can only serve one master. And if I'm a slave to the food, I, I'm totally blocked from God. And that had to go first. And it had to be entire abstinence. Um, the second thing was myself. So how do I get rid of myself? Uh, and the answer there is the steps. You know, steps 2 through 12. Keep, keep me um, right size. Make sure that, that my ego and my self-will and my expectations and my little plans and designs um, don't get in my, in my way of a, of a proper relationship with God. Um, so um, I had to put down the food, and I had to work the steps uh, two to nine. And now in order to remain unblocked and continue enjoying this beautiful relationship with God that has given me a life beyond my wildest dreams with beautiful relationships with my family, you know, a beautiful outlook on life, a normal-sized body, um, that can wear the same clothes year after year after year after year with neutrality around the food, where food is just nutrition. It's not a, a, an end in itself, and it's not a means to an end either. It's just that. It's just energy for me to serve God. Um, I need to continue working these principles in all my affairs through steps 10, 11, and 12, no matter what happens. And um, with that, I pass. Thanks. Thank you, Nessa or Janice M. Please go ahead. Well, good morning, Kathy and everyone. My name is Janice M. And I'm a grateful recovered compulsive overeater from Massachusetts. Okay. Simplicity, simplicity, simplicity of these paragraphs we're reading about this lawyer, a very successful lawyer until the trap of alcoholism got him. He was very successful in the material world, wasn't he? He was a lawyer, but he was violent when he was drunk. He was a corker, but look what happened. As soon as he decided, after he put down the alcohol, the first day, then he, he came to the conclusion that he was powerless and he needed a power and the power could not be two criteria couldn't be him and it couldn't be and it has to be uh someone or something higher than him so as soon as he made those two conclusions he made another conclusion he decided step three he decided that he could no longer work on himself in other words he couldn't do everything himself he he found out he concluded he he was powerless he needed a power, 
So now he was certainly willing to make only a decision. That's all he did here. He made a decision. He began. He began. He didn't become spiritually awakened. He began to have a spiritual experience by, you know, becoming to that conclusion. So, and then, you know, uh, made a decision to, to do, to implement steps four through nine through 12. And that was the action he had to take in order for him to be recovered. He was free. What a, what a wonderful example of hope for us. I mean, if it, you know, if it happened to me, it can happen to you, and it happened to people on the, you know, members on the program. Transformation. We have to reduce ourselves. Self-reliance does not work when it comes to my disease because I'm in bondage, bondage to self. So I'm going to make a decision to turn my, my will and my life over to the care. Now, to do what? To do the steps. That's the only decision I'm making here because I don't even know what to turn over yet until I do these steps. So in that, then he found God. He found God, and therefore he found out exactly who he was. And, you know, it's through God. It's through this, the power of these steps that we find a power that we're going, you know, God was always there. He didn't go anywhere. It's us that we get lost in the spirit in this uh, material world. And with that, I pass. Thanks. Thank you, Janice M. Lynn S., please go ahead. Good morning. This is Lynn S., a recovering compulsible reader in Toronto, Canada. Step two says, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. And I, and I got the point of that, but I was always stuck with the word or the phrase, restore us to sanity, because my whole life I had been a compulsive overeater. That's all I had ever known. And I'd always had strange mental twists. I was a fat kid. One of my first memories, I can remember being in diapers and squatting down on the floor over a yellow rectangle box with a cellophane oval on the top, and it was a cookie box. And I can remember opening it and taking a cookie and knowing I wasn't supposed to because I was fat. And just knowing that, now maybe I didn't know because I was fat, but knowing I wasn't supposed to, but doing it anyway you know, because I had to have the cookie. And so my whole life I, I grew up that, that way. That's all I ever knew was an obsession with food. I knew I never fit in. I knew I saw the world differently, and it was a, it was a place that give, gave me misery and pain and discomfort and unhappiness and anger. So that's all I knew. So being restored to sanity, you know, and, and we used to be cliquish and say, well, I never was sane, so I don't know what that's like. But I really meant it. I never was sane. I didn't know what that was like. But hear this sentence. But he had found God. And in finding God, he found myself. And that just really resonated with me. And it landed in my heart. And I went, oh, my God, that's what's happened to me. I found God. And in finding that power, I've been able to work the steps, which, which allows you again to clear what's blocking me from God so I can, I can connect with that power that I call God. And in doing that and in working the steps, 
and especially, you know, four through nine, especially those, but in working those steps, I'm finding myself for the first time. I'm finding me. And this, it, what a miracle. What a miracle it is that I'm, I'm just, this sentence really has landed in my heart and just opened up the miracle a little bit more. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Lynn S. And Nancy R., please go ahead. Hi, good morning. Uh, I'm Nancy Ara, and I'm a grateful, recover, compulsive overeater. I've gotten so much from the shares today. Thank you for your service. Uh, this is a very powerful uh, reading that we did, readings that were done today. Um, it reminds me of when I uh, first got uh, recovered, how excited I was about living life and all the things that all the plans I had for myself. And uh, when this lawyer, I mean, what, a, what a perfect example of what happens when we turn our lives and our will over to the care of God. Obviously, it was not in God's will or God's plans for him to win that election. I mean, who knows what, what, what might have happened the press that, with all the pressures of being an elected official. But because he was recovered, uh, the loss did not devastate him. And uh, this has happened, you know, this is, uh, uh, has happened to me. I can accept life a lot better when uh, things don't go as I think they should. I'm disappointed. Uh, oftentimes I'm disappointed because, to be perfectly honest, most things in life don't go the way that I think they should. But uh, being in recovery and sincerely turning my life and my will to the care of God and recognizing that my higher power has what's best for me. I'm able to accept life on life's terms. And that's what this attorney, uh, this is a perfect example of accepting life on life's terms. He did not win, but he did not return to drink. And um, when things don't go my way, I don't have to return to food. I mean, that in itself is just worth, it's worth more than winning any election or, or, or anything that I might have in store for myself. It's knowing that my higher power has my best interests in mind. And no matter what the results are, I don't have to eat over anything. That's a gift that keeps on giving. Thank you for letting me share. Thank you, Nancy. Or Yolanda F., please go ahead. Hi, I'm Yolanda F., a recovered compulsive overeater. I'm very grateful to be here this morning. Um. The last paragraph that we read, that afternoon, he put on his clothes and walked from the hospital a free man. But he had found God, and in finding God, he had found himself. Well, that paragraph is important to me, and it takes me to uh, a page in the big book where it says, God is everything. Or else he is nothing. God, God either is or he isn't. What was your choice to be? And as part of my recovering process, I, I held on to this particular part of the big book because I knew God was going to be the nucleus of me getting better. He was gonna. I needed to surround myself around that second and third step. So today, um, because of that, I don't. I don't have to walk around trying to be somebody else. 
I used to people people please a lot. I wanted to be what you wanted me to be, and I didn't even know what I was or wanted to be myself. But today, I know that God loves me, and he loves me just the way I am and for who I am. And so that makes me comfortable in my own skin today. I feel that I like myself today. And and I couldn't have said that before. Today I know that God loves me and I'm a child of God. And I also know, as bad as I thought I was, how bad could I be? Um, he got me off of drugs, alcohol, cigarettes, and then my binge foods. The things I did to my body, I could be dead right now, but I'm not. I'm here, and that's because of the grace of God and the fellowship and power of this program. And faith. Faith has to work in and through me 24 hours a day or we perish. That's in the big book on page 16. And this means for me I must abstain from negative thinking and replace that with faith and trust in God. Life didn't become a bowl of cherries for me when I got abstinent. Life still happens, and it's not always pretty, yet I am so grateful for so many things and everything that God has given me, and I don't have to do anything alone. God is always there working through all of you and and in, uh, and, and in a, a lot of other ways. Today I am very comfortable in being me. I branched out and started a new career in my recovery. And I would have been scared to death to do that when I was in my disease. In my disease, I can't imagine my life without this faith and trust that I have today. Thank you. I pass. Thank you, <clears throat> Yolanda F. Um, I'm going to ask Wayne C. to go next, and then Maureen M. If you could each take two minutes instead of three, we can have both of you share. Please go ahead, Wayne. Absolutely. Um, on the third day, the lawyer gave his life to the care and direction of his creator and said he was perfectly willing to do anything necessary. Um, yeah, that's uh, that still freaks me out because I'm on step five and uh, I found myself thinking of um, step nine already. <laughs> and I was like, oh man, that 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 one of men might get me the slammer, and uh, I don't want to go to jail. So I was like, no, no, don't worry, don't worry. We're only on five. Relax, relax, you know. So um, yeah, it's uh, that's where I'm at. I'm just, I'm still sort of, and that's I guess the the reality of my experience is that you know I'm hoping that I don't throw in the towel before it's too late and so um, but anyways on a, on a positive front I got uh, from my step five I got told I have a issue with big shot ism and uh, and you know it was uh, it was true because I, I it was there on pen on paper I could not deny it and then uh, sort of a tidal wave of awareness came on, and I'm like, man, how is God ever going to work with somebody who's so full of themselves, right? I mean, the I think the big shot is some sort of thing is like self-will in full manifestation, 
like in its grossest form, right? And it's like, whoa, man, that's got to go. So I'm already trying to sort of, um, you know, be aware and think differently. So good times. <laughs> I'll pass next. Thank you, Wayne C. And Maureen M., if you could make it short, that would be great. Thank you, Kathy. My name is Maureen M. Grateful Recovered Compulsive Reader from New York. And, yes, I will make it short. I like it short. You know why? Because it really is simple. Is it easy? <laughs> no. Um, I'm reminded uh, of this uh, paragraph. And, again, I, I, I just can't quote pages, but I, I think about things that I read. And we have to care you know, and protection with complete abandon. And this is what happened here. Um, He just went and did God's will. Um, I think he did the opposite of everything he wanted to do, um, his will wanted to do. And that's what I try to do in my life today. When I don't feel like picking up the phone, I pick it up. When I don't feel like writing, I write. Um, when I don't feel like talking about things that I need to talk about, I talk. Um, I've been restored to sanity, and um, I'm willing. I'm willing to go forward despite my faults, um, character defects, shortcomings. You know, that's what 10, 11, and 12 are for. Um, I love helping people. It helps me so much. Um it balances my ego because um, my ego is out of control. That's why I'm here. Um, God's blessed me. I feel incredibly blessed. Thank you for letting me share. Thank you, Maureen M. Okay, it's now time to close the meeting. Thank you, everyone, who has shared today. Please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Maureen M., would you please read, our book is meant to be suggestive only? Sure. Again, um, page disabled, so can you tell me? Oh, 164. I'm sorry. <laughs> 164 or 154? 164. Okay, thank you. All right. Our book is meant to, uh, Maureen, recovered compulsive overeater, grateful. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who's still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you can't transmit something you don't you don't have. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in 
the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then. Thank you.